Welcome to Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care, where your host, writer, actor, and producer Candy Washington helps you live a more joyful life with a cheeky dash of pop culture news. Be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and join the conversation on Instagram at Candy Washington. Let's go. everyone and welcome back. As always, I'm your host, Candy Washington, and I cannot wait to help you lead a more joyful life. But before we dive into today's episode, which is with Brianna Borton, be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you don't miss it when we go live. Also, be sure to rate and review the podcast as well. Check out the description box and the show notes. We have coaching, we have books, we have courses, we have freebies, we have everything down there for you guys in case you need some extra support. And also be sure to shop our love collection and share this, either share this video or share this podcast to anyone that might need a little encouragement, a little bit of inspiration, to, because learning to love yourself is always better with some support. So with that, let's dive right on in. So today's episode, we are going to be having a very inspiring conversation with Brianna Borton. She's a spiritual mentor, energy weaver, and a very accomplished wellness entrepreneur. She's the founder of the Dragon Tree Holistic Day Spa, along with a few others. So let's dive in. So welcome, Brianna. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your background, um, Definitely what happened when you were around 18 years old, I know something very traumatic happened that kind of sparked you on this journey, sparked you realizing your own internal power to create your own destiny. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So when I was, so I graduated high school and I was like on my way to go to art school. I was so excited about it and had kind of gotten myself settled in and ended up getting into a pretty major car accident where I broke my neck. And during that time, really everything shifted for me. It was, well, during that time I discovered energy work because it was the only thing that supported me to like not be in huge amounts of pain. Mm -hmm. And also it was this catalyzing like event in my life that made me really realize that I wanted to always be living my life exactly how I wanted to, because it just wasn't guaranteed, right? Like mm -hmm. the recognition that we are not guaranteed a tomorrow at a young age has felt such a gift to me so that I could create what I actually wanted to in my life. I love that. And what came up for me while you were talking were a couple of things. One, when you felt the energy did you think it was your own energy coming through or did you believe it was a divine energy working through you or was it a combination of the, of, of the two? And then also I love that you talk about, you know, life isn't guaranteed. So you're able to get that level of appreciation and gratitude that it can take some of us longer to, to recognize and to realize, but you were able to get that earlier on given what happened to you. Yeah. So, I mean, I actually received energy work from a practitioner. So I went in during that time. So I feel like it's all kind of divine energy, you know, universal energy working through practitioners of energy work, but it really made such a huge difference for me. And then as far as, you know, recognizing the gratitude for life, it was both like a gratitude and like a 
hunger too, right? Of like, I'm so grateful to be here. And I'm also so hungry for experiences. I don't really want to miss anything. And that really led me more on a path of being more present, being more, you know, actually in my life and also recognizing the things that I wanted to do with my life and allowing myself to not have to wait. I love that. And so can you describe what a session of energy work would would be like for those of us who may not have ever had energy work or maybe want to try it out? Can you describe what that experience was? Yeah. So, I mean, my experience with that energy worker was a lot different than I do energy work now and it actually looks very different, Mm -hmm. but I went to her actually to get massage. She was a nurse and a massage therapist. And I thought, oh, it'll be so great. My stepmom actually is the one who found her and it's like, oh, it'll be great. She'll be able to massage your neck and you'll be out of pain. But I got there and she couldn't really touch me. I was like, ow, 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 like everything (laughs) hurt. And so she just did what I would call hands-on healing. So a lot of energy work through her hands and just like moved energy in my neck and in my shoulders where I was having a lot of pain from my brace that I was wearing and then like through my whole body. And so it kind of looked like, I don't know if you massaged somebody, but didn't touch them. That's what she was doing. Um, And it was really effective. She was an, an incredible healer. So that's what that looked like. Now, when I do energy work, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like that at all. I do energy work on the phone with people, do a lot of distance healing. And um, so it just looks different, but there's so many different modalities of energy yeah. work. So there's a lot of options. I love that. And so when you do your energy work on the phone or virtual Zoom or whatever, what does that session look like for the person? Like, how do you prep them? How did, like, what questions do you ask to, to connect? Yeah. So I usually, you know, have an intake form for them. So I just understand where they're at, what they're wanting to do. And then I just get permission from them and then (laughs) dive into their energy. And in that way, I can start to see, it's almost like if you invited somebody into your house, they can kind of see like how all the furniture is arranged. And if you invited somebody who is like good at feng shui, they might be like, oh, this you have a couch in front of the door. That does not make any sense. We can't get in there, right? And so when I come into somebody's energy, that's how it feels to me. I can see like, oh, there are blocks here and or there's a really gaping hole here or there's not enough, there's not enough energy here. There's too much stagnation here. So I just can see all of it and I then start to adjust things around. Um, and I always ask for a lot of permission. So if there's like a big thing that needs to shift, we talk about it and I say, you know, how does it feel if I do that? (laughs) Then the person gets to choose for themselves because I never would want to do anything to anyone without them really wanting it to. I love that. I I love how you use the analogy of walking into somebody's home because you do get a real picture of of how they live their life like when you said oh the couch in front of the door you said we can't get in but I but in my mind I thought but they can't get out <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? yeah so it's like you're you're fencing yourself in as well so I, I absolutely I absolutely love that um and I also love that you talked about you were able to be present in the moment and you got hungry for life and I think that's so powerful that you were able to pay attention to your life. Cause I think a lot of the, the work that people do, it's, it's getting that self-awareness, being aware of who you are and, and where you are, and then empowering yourself to, like you said, you know, to decide how you want to show up in the world. And 
and maybe even more importantly, how you want the world to show up for you. So mm -hmm. I really, I really love that. And then I also saw that you're able to be a steward of wealth and how to use money as a tool because, you know, money's energy and how we attract and how we use it. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I really talk a lot with people who I help them become spiritually rooted stewards of wealth. And the spiritually rooted part for me is so important because I feel like when we are actually all the way in ourselves and our hearts and connected in that way, then when we acquire wealth, it, it looks a lot different. It isn't done from a place of, you know, needing to prove something. It's not done to like fulfill a like gaping hole in us. Like, no, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm here. I'm solid. This is really good. And then we get to steward money through and for me, I love this term because I, it came to me because I also steward land. So we live on three acres of land and oh, wow. the, the experience that I have with our land is not like, I, you are mine and I'm in charge. <laughs> I don't feel that way. I feel like we're in such a relationship mm -hmm. where the land kind of tells us what it needs and we try to provide for it and support its soil. And, you know, we allow, we have lots of people on it all the time to be able to share and that it becomes a rich haven for humans um, yes. and animals and all sorts of creatures, including like, you know, snakes and bunnies and all the things. And I feel the same way about money, right? When we stop thinking either money is above us or we are above money, if we just think of it as a relationship and I'm here to amplify what it wants to do in the world. And it's here to amplify what I want to do in the world. And I actually move it through. It's not to hoard or to have money. It's mm -hmm. to move it through from, you know, one way. I always think about how money comes to me and wanting to make sure that the way that it comes to me is aligned for me with what I believe, what I want to have happening in the world. And then where it goes to also aligns with my beliefs, with my heart, with how I envision the world being. So making sure that I'm spending my money with companies I believe in mm -hmm. and investing with companies I also think are doing things that are, you know, not harming our planet, not harming human beings, um, but instead hopefully up-leveling everything for everyone. I love that. I, I love how, like what came up for me when you were talking was really using money with your own intentionality and as a tool, like you have an intention for money, like we're going to use the money from here, we're going to flow it through here, I'm going to use it with, you know, products or brands or whatever that I believe in that are in alignment and, you know, money's not above me and I'm not above it. It's something that I'm able to use and I can use it intentionally. So I loved that. And then also I loved... Um, not making money something that gives you value. Like I know a lot of people will struggle with, well, when I make money, then I'll be good enough. When I make money, then I'll be successful. When I make money, then I can blah, 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 blah. They're kind of putting money on this pedestal of when I get the money, then I'll be worthy. Then I'll be valuable. Then I'll be enough, you know, then all of that stuff. But, you know, it's like you said, you kind of want to flip it where it's, no, I'm already worthy. I'm already valuable. Money is something that I can use. I'm good enough. Therefore, I deserve money and I use it in relationship to what I want. You know, you 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 equalize the playing field instead of having money be this thing that defines you. You define how you want to use money. 
I absolutely yeah. love that. Um, and then you were talking about relationships and community. So do you want to um, talk a little bit about that, how to cultivate a, uh, a conscious community and a relationship with other people and, and how to really, again, you know, through intention, you know, cultivate community? Yeah. Well, I really believe that community is pretty much the number one thing that we all really actually need. You know, we actually think we yeah. need money when actually what we need is people. And I think often we yeah. sacrifice people in like this weird way for money, or we think that like going for money or whatever is the most important thing. And rather than building our communities, both our familial cl- communities and then our friendship communities, our work communities, and I really have seen how much community changes people, right? When we actually Mm -hmm. learn how to be in community and that we devote ourselves to it, because I think that there's this huge misunderstanding that like having community should be easy. And if it's not easy, then never mind. It's not worth it. They're not the right people. Like all of those things. When I would say being in community is hard, actually, it is challenging because humans are challenging. (laughs) We just are. We we like believe different things. We think different things. We all have all of our emotions and we all make mistakes with each other. And so to, to choose to devote ourselves to community really means being in the work. Right? being inconvenienced by other humans and allowing that to be part of what happens because relationships are not convenient. Right? It's like if we want to be in a, in a close relationship, I have to be inconvenient sometimes probably in order to be there for you when you need it. And also to be able to like make arrangements for my own life So around you and you around me and both of those things happening. And so I think that when we only will have relationships of convenience, we really minimize the depth that we're willing to go with people. And if instead we recognize, no, it's okay to be inconvenienced by our relationships, actually. And it's okay to have to work it out. And it's okay to have hard feelings. And it's okay to have to have a conversation. All of those things are really normal. And conflict is normal among human beings. That's like that's <laughs> the beginning of time, right? And so, but I think that now we're in a place where so much is convenient, right? You want something, mm-hmm. you're like, I ran out of mascara. Amazon, bring me mascara, right? It's like two <laughs> seconds later, you, you can have it in an hour, right? And we're like, yeah. wait, I never have to leave my home. I never have to do anything. I don't expect to be inconvenienced. And so when we then are met with actual human beings in our lives, we are, it is inconvenient. And so most people then give up on relationships. They're like, don't, don't put in the work when, if we do put in the work and we create the depth of relationship where it's like, I'm here for, to celebrate you. I'm here to support you. I'm here when things are good. I'm here when things are bad. I'll take your kids. I'll like help you get to your grandma's house. Like all of those things. I think that we start to create a network of community care and that community care, I feel like is what we try to often replace with policy, right. Or with, you know, like ways in which we do, kind of like uh, the structures of our life. Like, okay, instead of community, we will have it be that you have to, you know, even like pay taxes. It's like community, you must pay taxes. It's like, well, it makes sense that we would all put money towards something, but that we're made to because people wouldn't naturally anymore think to Mm -hmm. do so. And it's like, well, 
community care is actually something that if we had, it would be this beautiful insurance in a way that would support us and that we would then also support others. And I really feel it's like the way for us to head if we want to create a sustainable world, really. No, I agree a hundred percent. It's like, I think with like technology and, and like you said, everything is so convenient that we've become so isolated and so separated from other, from there's no longer like the feel of like, this is my neighbor. Like even me, like sometimes I'll see my neighbors, like, I don't know any of their names. I kind of look down like, hi. And like, I like keep going because there's like this thought of, you know, this is my little bubble and this is where I'm at. And like, it's, not my problem. And I don't want my problem to be their problem because there's this illusion of like separation and isolation now, where it's almost just like head down, mind your own business instead of having that sense of community and that sense of society and that sense of we can all, you know, come together where, you know, before it would be survival. You would have to have that community, you know, they would go out and they would hunt and they would gather and they'd come back and they'd eat and like, this family would bring this and that family would bring that. And even not that long ago, think about like community, like barbecues or community, like cookouts where it's just like, we're going to bring this and you're going to bring that. And we're all going to come together and it's going to be communal. And it's like, you need this. Well, I have that. I need this. You have that. So it was really survival based on the community. But like you said, you know, through technology, through convenience, it's all sort of been so, well, I can take care of myself. And we forget the emotional and mental and spiritual impact of separation. Like even look what happened during lockdown and we were so isolated. Mental health just really deteriorated for a lot of people to rise in like depression and anxiety and, you know, that feeling alone because we are communal beings. We're supposed to be in community. And I also loved how you said, you know, like these relationships are hard and you can't just give up when it gets hard. You have to be able to be willing to be inconvenienced and to grow. Because I know a lot of times like we'll put in the work for like romantic relationships like, oh, we need to learn to work on our communication skills. We have to compromise. We have to blah, 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 blah. But then we don't bring those tools to like our friendships, to our family, to our neighbors. <laughs> so yeah. I agree with that 100%. We kind of focus on having those tools or wanting those tools from our romantic partner. And then we sort of think we no longer need those skills with our other relationships. But just like you said, it's about all interpersonal relationships. You know, how can you communicate and communicate? and make community with your coworker, you know, use those same school skills. <laughs> so I absolutely love that. Um, and speaking of skills, what are some, you know, like rituals or, or habits or things that people can do to sort of cultivate everything that you're saying, you know, that self-awareness, that, you know, hunger to create your own life, to create that community and really using things like money and other aspects of our lives as, as tools with intention. Hmm. Well, I think, you know, I love the feeling of using ritual as a way of kind of marking out time for ourselves. For me, it feels like the heartbeat of our lives, right? It's like, and now this moment and this moment calls us into presence. And so when we want to create more presence in, in our lives, the more ritual we have, it's like, this moment is meaningful is basically what we're saying with ritual. Like 
now, now is meaningful. So, you know, if when we started this conversation, if we decided to both like come in and like light a candle and be together and be like, this matters. By the way, I do think this matters, even if we didn't do that. But <laughs> that is like saying, it's a way of indicating to ourselves again and again, this, this moment matters. This, this moment here matters. So the more often we create ritual for ourselves, indicating that the more present we'll become. And so that assists us in all sorts of ways. You're talking about like money and community and all these things. It's like, yes, the more you recognize the, the power behind this moment, the more all of those other things blossom because you're not, you know, kind of sidetracked, kind of doing something else when you're with your friend or when you're with your parents, right? You're not like, oh yeah, this, you, this doesn't really matter. What matters is what's happening in my phone or what's happening in my mind. And so it's like, no, right here. And so even a simple ritual, you know, I think about before I go into a friend's house, like I take my phone, I put it away. I like tuck it in, like tell if I'm away from my kids, I'll let them know, like I'm going to be unavailable. It's like a, a little ritual just saying this, you matter. And I'm going to give you all my attention. And, but I have a ritual that indicates that to me so that I have entered into this moment as meaningful. And then there's, you know, moments of meaning around, you know, creating a ritual around dinner or any, uh, any meal of saying like, let's, you know, my son, my family, all, we all hold hands and we sing our prayers and we light candles every dinner. And, you know, my kids, friends come over and they're like, this is like so fancy. That's what they, that was fancy. I'm like, it's not fancy really. Like it doesn't matter what we're, I mean, of course it matters what we're eating, but it's not that the food is super fancy necessarily. It's that I've, we decide like this is how we're going to do this. And since we have it that way, you settle in and your, your system is like, oh yeah, here, I'm going to be here. And so creating those for our day, like having a morning ritual that you do so that you're, you know, indicating like I'm blessing this day with my attention, with my love, with my care, with myself, fully here, fully on board. And then throughout our days, and then we have bigger experiences of ceremony, you know, where maybe it's not every day that we have ceremony, but we say like, okay, now it's time for us to go deeper into kind of this other realm, which is really what ceremony feels like to me. We've entered into a different realm of existence and we're playing with energy and we're declaring what's important to us and that we get to also have those times for ourselves. And, and in a way it's like a kind of like a big, like a big ritual. It's like, this is even more important. Like we're really bringing all of our attention and care here. I love that. I love that. And I know that you are um, a best-selling author and you've sold over 100,000 copies. And so how did, did you create any type of ritual or ceremony around your creative process or your writing process or like setting the intentionality for, for the impact that your book would make? Yeah. So my husband and I have written actually several books together. And every time that we write a book, it's such a portal, right? It's like this whole portal of experience and and expansion for us. And as we go in, there's always a time where we first are like, what is the reason? Right? Like, why even do this? And so we get really clear around what we want for other people from reading the book. And then, and then the hard part, 
happens where you actually have to write the fucking book. It's like so much work. I'm like, okay. But every time that we, you know, we would come together, we would often have, we go on long walks to talk. So we have a little bit of a ritual of like, we gather ourselves, we have an idea of what we're going to talk about. And then we go on a long walk together, talk about all of it, come home and then ground it into like what we're actually going to write and then create the framework for it and celebrate. This is like one of my favorite parts about ritual. One of my favorite rituals, I guess I should say, is celebration. Not just when something is totally complete, because obviously like once your book is published and it's released, like obviously that is a time to celebrate. But for me, if that's, if I wait until then to celebrate, there's just no way. (laughs) I have to celebrate along the way. Otherwise it's just too much of a slog to get through that much writing. So once we've written a chapter, we would go out to dinner and have a celebration that we we get to declare this is an important thing, that this happened, that we wrote a chapter. Yeah. And most people, I think, just are like, oh, finally got that chapter done. Now the next chapter, right? And there's no indication of care or appreciation or gratitude for yourself for what you've just done. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love celebrating like each moment in each step and not putting the sort of gratification or the joy out in this big thing out there. You know, it's really like the journey matters and enjoying the journey is just as important, if not even more important than whatever this like destination of like published or whatever the thing is out there. So I absolutely love that. And I think it goes back to what you were saying before that you know, you were able to really appreciate your life and you're really able to bear witness to your life and be present and pay attention to it. Because if you are paying attention to your life, the mere fact that we're here, there's always something to celebrate. (laughs) You know, there's always something to celebrate. So I absolutely love that, you know, even like the, you know, the ritual of like having like the dinner with like your husband and the children and lighting the candles and even having that sense of, you know, nuclear family community is that's something to celebrate. You know, a lot of people don't even have that. So I love that you're talking about these little moments of life where if we kind of step back and we're present, like that's really what like living is about. It's those Mm -hmm. moments of connectivity with other people. And then it's moments of connectivity, you know, with yourself and the way you connect to yourself is being present, is celebrating, is creating community, is having ceremony, is having the rituals. It's really just like you said, it's really paying attention, but also describing meaning. And I think that was one of like the biggest like takeaways. You're really great at describing meaning to the moments of your life. And I think that's so powerful because a lot of people just are on autopilot or they're not even, you know, thinking about describing meaning to things or they just take on other people's belief systems, other people's thoughts and patterns, other people's trauma, you know, other people's limiting beliefs. And then they take it on as their own meaning when they don't actually stop and say, well, what does this mean and what could it mean and what do I choose it to mean? So I absolutely love that. That's, that's so great. Um, Is there anything else about like the energy work that we can use either to connect with like different relationships or to connect with ourselves or how can we use it in our everyday lives to just really harness that energy within and that energy 
without. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's so much that can be done with energy work. Honestly, I tend to believe that it's like the root of where we should address most things. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we tend to want to address things on a mind level or a often even a body level. And I would say a lot of times if we address things on an energetic level, everything else kind of falls everything else follows energy. It's not the other way around. And so if we allow energy to be what leads, then it is about clearing it up. So you asked about like relationships. And to me, it's one of my favorite ways to work with my clients is in their relationships with others to clarify those cords, the communications and to cut things that are not working anymore and to reestablish healthy ways of interacting and having, you know, our connection be one that feels of health and of vitality and is clear and is sovereign for us and isn't enmeshed, right? I think a lot of times people have mistakenly thought that their connections with other people mean enmeshing themselves with other people rather than holding yourself as sovereign and Mm -hmm. like completely yourself and uh, allowing yourself to interweave with other people in a really beautiful way, but not losing the part of you that makes you, you, right. The part of you that is like, I am my own being here and I'm choosing to be in relationship with you. And so working with people, when we look at our relationships and you ask about like, how do we be with, how do we use energy work in those relationships? I would say if we are, if we feel like we lose ourselves with somebody else, right. To actually practice pulling our energy back in us right before we go to hang out with them after we hang out with them and not blame other people. I think that this is a very common thing where like, Oh, you know, Susie Q is so blah, blah, blah. Like blaming the other person for our yeah. own loss of power when mm-hmm. no one can do that to you. Right. And when we, when we blame other people, we've given them our power. Like all of a sudden now Susie Q's in charge. Like Susie Q's not in charge of your energy. You are. Yeah. So she may be tempting in all of her ways, who knows why, but your <laughs> energy is your power. And so holding, like actually bringing it back inside of you. So practicing that, actually pulling your energy in, holding it, and then afterwards doing it again. And the more we practice this, the more we start to recognize what is ours and what is other people's so that we can stay in our sovereignty and in our own power. And then just, I feel like most of the time when people, you know, people are like, <laughs> what is a sign that somebody has an energetic block? I'm like, I don't know, procrastination, self-sabotage, <laughs> like, all, like, kind of everything that we wish that we weren't doing, especially those things that we've kind of tried to get to from all the different ways. We're like, okay, maybe if I just do it, like maybe if I just say this mantra 2 million times, that will fix it. (laughs) Often it's an energetic block. And if we can bring our awareness and attention to the energetic block through our curiosity and our focus, that we can start to, you know, bring it into a place of love. And love is like really what adjusts all of the things that are out of whack. Um, but we have to be able to really focus, which is why I always encourage everyone to have a meditation practice. Like you could do all your own energy work, but you have to be able to focus. And I think that that is where 
most people get really tripped up and actually like why most people hire me, right? They're like, like, really do this to yourself. All you have to do is focus. People are like, I'll just pay you. I'm like, cool. I'm still going to tell you to have a meditation practice. Um, But it, it is something that takes a while. Even if we start having a meditation practice, it takes a while for us to really get all the way into our focus and to be able to hold it well enough to be able to shift the energetics of our system. And so meditation everyone should be meditating so that we can do that (laughs) (laughs) no i i absolutely love that and i loved how you're right like whether it's like a mind or or body it does start with the energy because first everything is energy our mind is energy our body is energy and the energy is what creates so you know just like you said you know just treating the mind or the body you're treating the symptoms but you're not actually addressing the root cause so that's why cleaning up the energy then everything then everything else will fall into place and sometimes even in our mind or in our bodies things will manifest either physically or as you know different things like I can't sleep, insomnia, or oh, I have this like lump over here when it's really just energy trying to make you pay attention to it. So like you said, you can clear it out, you can cut what needs to be cut, but until we pay attention to what is causing it, it'll just keep showing up in different ways until we actually treat what that, what the block is. So I absolutely love that. And I love that you're talking about, um, you know, like protecting your energy, like bringing it in, like knowing having that ritual of like I'm bringing my energy in you have that clear and then when you leave someone or you go to someone you you do it again and to me that was really about like you know boundaries like where do I begin and where do you end so we don't get that enmeshment so you can have those types of boundaries and I was when you were talking like to me what came up is how can I love myself and love you at the same time so I'm not overexerting. I'm not giving too much of my energy, like you said, and then I'm going to be resentful and I'm going to start blaming Susie Q. But the truth was, I was the one who didn't have those boundaries in alignment with myself. And I allowed myself to give and give and give, you know, but that was my choice. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with Susie Q. You're 100% right. No one can make you do anything unless you relinquish that power to them, that control. Um, so I absolutely love that. And I know what you're saying, like for me, I'm, I don't know if I am or not, but I feel a lot of other people's energies, like very empathic. And so I had to learn to turn off that in a way to, to, to like, to be able to know what am I actually feeling and not taking on everybody else's stuff. So I think that energy work would really help with that. So if there's anybody who's watching or listening, definitely reach out to Brianna. If you see that in yourself where you're unable to sort of know where you begin and where you end and taking on other people's energy and not being clear, just like you said, on what is the focus of my energy? What is the focus of who I am? And what is the focus of me that's not enmeshed with somebody else? You know, mm-hmm. like not being codependent, like you said, being interdependent. How do you interweave yourself with someone while still honoring and respecting your own energy and your own presence? So I absolutely love that. Brianna, this has been amazing. I've learned so much. I got so many good nuggets. <laughs> so thank you so much for this time. Um, I have two last questions for you. Great. One, if there is one, 
you know, kernel of wisdom or just one thing that you want to leave us with, either something that we've already touched on or something new, share that with us. And again, everyone, everything will be linked below to Brianna, how you can buy her books, how you can get her coaching and her spas and all of that. But also let us know um, where we can find you and connect with you as well. Awesome. Yeah, I think that if I were just to, as I feel into like, what is the thing that I would want to share is just to like, never move away from what our hearts want, Mm -hmm. right? To actually allow, to trust that our hearts actually know. I think that we go into our minds and we've really reversed, we've really reversed the order of operations. Our minds are supposed to be assistance to our hearts. And instead mm-hmm. we've kind of made it the other way around. And so to bring our attention back into being heart led in our lives, being soul led in what we're doing and trusting that our mind will be just a great assistant. Like our minds are great <laughs> at that. They, they take notes. They're very good at those kinds of things, um, but they're not actually meant to be in charge, in charge. And so really this practice of coming into our hearts and learning to trust and to trust that our hearts actually know um, that they don't, don't need to be actually that informed. They feel there's sensory organs that know what is happening and how to be. And it allows us to be a lot more free because we're not putting everything through our mind and ego as to how should I be? How should I act? What should I look like? Right. All of that is kind of inconsequential to the heart because the heart knows in this moment what is absolutely needed for us. So I would just leave us with that. And if you want to connect with me, the best place to do so is on Instagram. It's where I like hanging out the most. So you can find me at Brianna Borton there. And if you come and follow me and just message me so that I know you're in my community now, I would love that as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Brianna. And that's right, everyone. Go and give Brianna a follow and DM and let her know that you are now in her community. And so thank you so much. And for everyone who's watching and listening, thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to my channel. Also rate and review the podcast as well. And with that, everyone, take care of yourself and each other. I love you. Bye. Thank you. Welcome to Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care, where your host, writer, actor, and producer, Candy Washington, helps you live a more joyful life with a cheeky dash of pop culture news. Be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and join the conversation on Instagram at Candy Washington. Let's go.